welcome to the Destination Begin podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Smith. I've lost over 250 pounds. I've started my life over multiple times and managed to find humor, lessons, and joy in the process. And now I'm here sharing those stories with you. Thanks for joining me. Hello, friends. Welcome to the podcast. I'm really glad that you're here, especially if you're a first timer. There are quite a few people that have found this podcast recently because of the Live Hard episodes, which have sent people back to the 75 Hard episode and then onto some of the other episodes. And so many of you reached out to say hi, and I love that because after all, I'm doing this because I hope that other human beings actually hear it. I re-listened to these episodes a few times before I publish them because I don't want them to have glaring mistakes. Editing is really hard for me. It's It goes against kind of all of my skills that I have. I shouldn't say it goes against. It isn't one of the skills that I naturally have. And so I, I'm not very good at it, but I'm getting better at it. But my biggest fear is that I'll put out a podcast and there'll be some weird glaring thing and I'll confuse everyone and it'll be terrible. So I listen to this in its entirety before I publish it. So by the time you hear it, I'm so sick of listening to this. Just telling you. Anyway, that's a sidebar. Um, So today I'm doing an episode that I've kind of had in the works for a while. I just haven't had the time to actually um, record it and then, of course, edit it, etc. But um, last month I went on a really fun trip with my friend Amanda and there was just a lot of lessons learned, a lot of great insights that I gleaned from our big hike and from our weekend in general. And I just wanted to share some of those things with you all. I was raised, as I've talked about, in church with the Bible. And I think one of the reasons why I learn so well through analogies and parables is because that's kind of how I was taught concepts because the Bible is full of parables, proverbs. We memorized a lot of Bible verses and a lot of proverbs and Of course, if you've read the Bible and you're familiar with the teachings of Jesus, he uses parables in the Bible. And so while I'm not here Bible thumping, I'm just saying it works really well for how I learn and how I see things. And often when I'm dealing with a difficult challenge or I'm having to go against the grain of being lazy and actually push through something hard, those parables and those analogies are what come to mind that give me the courage and remind me why I'm doing something that's hard. And this trip, there was a lot of those examples. And I feel like they have value when you translate them into a weight loss journey. They translate into all of life. But the main thing that I work on in in teaching my clients and teaching others, and I hope I can bring these things here and in all the platforms that I'm using is how you can successfully live a healthy life, how you can successfully, that's a hard word, successfully lose weight and keep it off and do so in a healthy way, Uh, maybe outside of all the other ways that you've tried and failed before. I feel like anybody who is trying to lose weight, it's usually not your first time. Those of us who had weight issues, we tend to try and fail a billion things. And eventually, we kind of have to come to the end of our rope and say, okay, what's been going wrong? What do I need to do differently? And how can I think about this differently? So that's why 
in life, when I'm going about my daily life or anything, I I often see parallels to the weight loss journey. So that's why I'm going to talk about it here. So um, it was back in June, my bestie Amanda, who I seem to talk about her every episode, but you're going to hear a lot about her today. Amanda is one of the most fabulous people that I've ever known. And I'm really lucky to have her as a friend. Um, sidebar story. So when I did my first episode of this podcast, Amanda listened to it. And I'll never forget it. I was on the treadmill walking and reading at my apartment and my phone rings and it was Amanda. And she said, Kristen, I just listened to your podcast and I'm just overwhelmed. It was so good. And I'm so proud of you. And she was so nice and so complimentary and it really meant a lot. And then I asked her if there was any feedback she had of ways I could improve because, I mean, it's something totally new for me. And she said, you know, the only thing I can say is you were talking kind of fast. It was just, I didn't really know why you were hurrying up so fast. You could slow down and talk slower. And I said, oh, okay. Yeah, I I do talk fast and all the time. People tell me that I talk way too fast. I said, okay, good feedback. I'll I'll slow it down. I was kind of rushing. So fast forward like a week, Amanda calls me and said, um, remember how I told you that you were talking too fast in your podcast? Well, I went to listen to another podcast and I realized I had it set to 1.5 as the speed. So it was playing you one and a half times as fast as you were speaking. So you can discard my feedback. You you weren't talking fast. I was listening fast. So I had already recorded another episode and I had been kind of painstakingly slowing down. Um, all for nothing. Thanks, Amanda. Anyway, it's very funny at the time. So we went on this trip in June and we happened to leave on Amanda's birthday, which was really fun for me because I love birthdays. B- birthdays it's the one day that's truly about you and nobody can argue. If it's your birthday, it's it's truly the one day a year where you can legit say, no, 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 it's all about me because it's my birthday. And I know some people stretch it out to birth week, birth month, whatever. I don't really do that. But my birthday, I own that. And I tell people, everyone I meet on my birthday, I tell them it's my birthday because then what did they do? They say, oh, happy birthday. And I can say, thanks. So I solicit happy birthdays because it's free. It doesn't cost anyone anything. It's not like I'm asking everyone to give me a dollar. But when someone says happy birthday, it's so nice. So I tell everyone. And there are people who are very much like, I don't want anyone to know it's my birthday. I'm totally confused by that. Why would you not want people to wish you a happy birthday? It's the greatest. If it's an average Tuesday in like February, which that's not my birthday, no one's just going to be like, hi, happy Tuesday to you. You don't get that except on your birthday. So anyway, and then the people I love, I love it when it's their birthday because then we can just exult in them being alive and I love it. Um, Today is my friend DJ Juice. It's his birthday today. And so all day I'm just thinking about him and like how great he is. And So it's just exciting to think about the people that you love and that like today is the anniversary of the day that this person was born. And if they weren't born, I wouldn't have their them in my brain and in my heart. And that would be so sad. And and so I'm so grateful that they're alive. So anyway, 
And I don't know that other people think that about me on my birthday, but that's how I feel about other people's birthdays. So on my birthday this year, um, I teach these workout classes in the park, which I love. And the ladies came and they showered me with a cupcake and balloons. And they all wore Britney Spears on their shirts. And we had so much fun. So then when I went for my birthday run, I got to tie a balloon around my waist and run with happy birthday balloon, which was super fun because, I mean, again, what other day of the year can you do that? I mean, I guess any day, but that might be a little weird. But on your birthday, it's not weird at all. Um, although I got a kick out of the one lady I saw on the path. She said, oh, it's your is it your birthday? And if I wasn't in such a good mood on my birthday, I would have been like, no, it's not my birthday. Like, of course it's my birthday. I'm running with a happy birthday balloon around my waist. But instead, I said, yeah. And she said, well, happy birthday. And I was like, thanks. And off I went. It's great. So on Amanda's birthday, I met her at the airport and I brought her a sash that said birthday girl. I think it said birthday girl. Um, So she could wear it. And I told her that the goal was to get 20 unsolicited happy birthdays because of the sash. So she put it on. And um, so I was going through the airport, you know, the barista at Caribou and the TSA people, you know, she started to get people say, oh, happy birthday. And so we counted them. And it was really sad because by the end of the day, I think she only had 14 happy birthdays. I was very disappointed in the human race. But I digress. Anyway, so we we flew out. We landed in Denver. Um, Amanda had put together the whole trip because she's done a lot of these trips before. She's an adventurer and I've never done these things. So it was kind of fun to be able just to follow her around. But at the airport, we went to go wait for our rental car shuttle. And she said, well, we I rented it from Sixth Rental Agency. And I said, what, you mean 6T? Like 6-T? And she just looked at me <laughs> as it dawned on her, oh, that's what that means. It's not 6T. It's 6T, which makes a little more sense. And so that got repeated all weekend. So we rented a pickup, which was super badass because we are, you know, super badass. And uh, we got to go visit her Aunt Jan, who lives in Denver, and have a lovely meal with her family. And um, and then we got to our hotel super late at night. I think it was like 1130 at night. And we walked in, and the desk clerk was so nice. But he was literally the skinniest person I've ever seen. And he had hair, really long hair, which made his face look skinnier. And he was wearing this Jurassic Park t-shirt that was really baggy. And he just looked like he lived on the side of a mountain and never ate. It was kind of jarring. But he was super nice. I don't know why I'm telling you about what he looks like. I'm not like trying to like say anything bad about him. I'm just trying to paint the picture because it all got very funny. So – he gave us our room keys, room 219. Off we went. So sleepy. I was like half asleep walking. So we get to the hotel room door and Amanda scanned the key and pushed the door and it didn't open because the little hotel lock, chain lock thingy was on. And she looked at me, oh no, there's someone in here. I was like, no, that's like literally not possible. Maybe it's just stuck. And so she pushed on it again and she heard something in the room. She's like, no, there's legitimately someone in there. So went back down. I waited upstairs. She went back down 
to tell him, I think someone's in the room. And he said, no, that's not possible. Sometimes housekeeping, when they close the door, it snaps shut. So he grabs this crowbar thing, comes upstairs, goes to the door, unlocks it, pushes the hotel lock thing open, and there's a guy standing in there. And this is probably midnight. And so he said, oh, I'm so sorry. And he shut the door. He's like, oh, this is embarrassing. <sighs> Hopefully. Hopefully we can figure out who's who that is. <laughs> so we went downstairs. He got us a different room number. And meanwhile, he's like, oh, that's all I need is another bad review, to which we just stared at each other. So we got into our room and we we never really did find out what happened, why there was someone in our room. But we feel real bad that at midnight twice someone walked into his room. So anyway, um, so day one of our trip, we went to Garden of the Gods, which is beautiful. And it was awesome to go there. I had been there, I think it was 2003 or 2004. I can't remember the year. I don't have a date stamp on the pictures. But when I was there, I was there with my ex-husband and my son and my friend who moved out there. And we had done a little bit of driving through Garden of the Gods to see the cool rock formations. And there's this rock formation called Balanced Rock. And I really wanted to be involved in the picture taking at that spot because I'd never seen anything so cool. And typically I was I was very heavy. I was pretty close to being my highest weight. So I was probably close to 350, 375 pounds. And I wasn't in the family pictures. I always made a, a point to not be in the pictures. But I decided I wanted a picture with my friend at Balanced Rock. So in order to get up next to the rock, you have to kind of climb up some other boulders to get up there and then take a picture. And so I have this picture of my friend Rachel and I standing at Balanced Rock. And I wanted to get a picture there again because obviously it's, I don't know, it was over 15 years ago and I'm in shape now and my life is so different and it just kept resonating in my head that, wow, at that time, I never imagined a different life for myself. And, and here I am. So scrambled up there, got some really great pictures with Amanda and by myself and helped other people take pictures. And as I was coming down, there was a woman, an older woman who was trying to come up. And as I saw her struggling to make this one particular large step up, I remembered that in that exact spot, I had stumbled and I had kind of fallen on my knees and I needed a hand to get up. And I was so embarrassed because I was so heavy and I was so awkward. And that step was almost impossible for me. And here I am standing there looking down at a woman in the same situation, very overweight, sweating, but determined to get up there. And I was able to grab her hand and give her a hand and pull her up. And ex I mean, it was exactly as I remember it. She was on her knees, needed help getting up. And I just was struck with this 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 big picture of you know that was me and i needed a hand and now here i am and i'm able to give a hand to someone else and that is a picture of what i want to do with my experience you know i i'm so grateful to be healthy and fit but i don't want that to just mean that my pants fit good and i get to go about and live my life i want to use all the things i've learned and all that i have 
that I have had to struggle with and figure out, I want to use that as a hand up to anyone else who wants to climb up and needs a hand. And it was so powerful in that moment. It, it just all came back and all of that happened in a split second, that memory and that feeling of just overwhelming gratitude and emotion. And I'm emotional thinking about it because it was just, whoa, it, the chances of that happening. And so I helped her up and and helped them tape some pictures and off we went. And I just, I was just so grateful. It was such a beautiful reminder of anything good that we get in life, anything that we learn, all the growth that we have made, it's it's counts for so much more if we can find a way to use it and and give that to someone else. And I really hope that by the time I die, that I will have done that um, in every way that I possibly can. So that was just so great. So we did hiking and then we went to REI and I'm a member now because I'm an adventurer. Has that trip proved? I'm an adventurer who loves all things adventure-y. So I had to join REI so that I'm like in the club. And um, so that was fun because we hadn't been shopping much since quarantine and we had to wear a mask, but REI was open and we could explore in there and buy stuff. And the fun thing is we were going to be hiking the next day for the whole day. So we needed a lot of carbs, a lot of food to bring with us, small nutrient calorie dense food to put in our packs. And so we just piled up with all of the gels and goos and granola bars and super caloric dense foods I never normally eat. But we our plan was to hike to the top of Pikes Peak the next day. And that's a, you know, six to eight hour hike and hike back down, which is another six hours. So it was going to be a long day. I mean, think about it as like a marathon because it's it is 26 miles up and down. So it was kind of fun to be able to say, all right, I have to eat all of this food, which is something that is never part of my mindset anymore. And then we went to Whole Foods and we actually did eat all the food. We got a lot of food and uh, really loaded up on the calories, which was a little stupid because um, then we went to the F45 out there to work out. <laughs> and so I was real full, but whatever. So th they have F45 out there. And there's a member that I found on Instagram just through an F45 hashtag. And I follow him because he's super inspiring. He posts just such positive, uplifting reminders about life and and pushing through hard times and working hard and being um, the sunshine in the world. And he's just got this beautiful, awesome personality and he works out like a beast. And so I reached out to him to say, my friend and I are going to be near your F45 and we want to come work out with you. So we got to. We got to meet him in person. He's a badass beast at F45. I've never seen anybody work so hard in my life at F45. And that is saying something because I've been at F45 for years and I've seen some pretty hard working worker outers. But it was just so fun to see someone in real life that I just know off Instagram who's such a, just a positive, awesome person. But I'm telling you, I'm in Minnesota and we don't have altitude here. I don't know what we are at. We're not at sea level, but maybe we're like an inch or two above sea level. There's no altitude here. And in Denver, there's this thing called altitude and it makes it real hard to breathe when you're trying to do tuck jumps and burpees and working out. And uh, boy, did I feel that. It was humbling. That's for sure. But it was really good because it helped 
I think it helped us acclimate a little bit by really exerting ourselves um, that night so that the next day when we started hiking, it wouldn't be, well, I mean, there's nothing that can really prepare you, but I think it helped. I'm going to say it helped. Whether it did or not, in my head, it helped. So the big day, hiking up Pikes Peak. So this is something I've never planned on doing. When I was there back in 2003-ish, we had taken a cog from the bottom to the top, which is just a train car that goes up the side of the mountain. And I remember it being beautiful and fun. And then when we start getting higher and higher and the air got thinner and thinner, just feeling like death. And when we got to the top and we got out, I just, my only memory is just feeling so terrible, not being able to breathe, just panting, not enough to stop me from eating the donuts they sell up there. But just I got back on the cog early and sat there and just waited and prayed that we would soon get out of there because it was so uncomfortable. And I was, like I said, 350, 375 pounds. I don't think I was at my highest weight, but I was pretty, pretty heavy. And that's a lot of work to carry that kind of weight around, much less while you're way up at 14,000 feet. So that was really my only memory. And I do recall on that cog ride that the, what would you call him? The conductor of the cog mentioned that people walked up and ran up that mountain. And I, at the time I just thought, well, that's insane. There's no way anybody would really do that. So here I was, (laughs) 15, over 15 years later, getting ready to hike up, granted not run up, but hike up to the top. And we started, I believe we started at 8,000 feet or 6,000 feet. I don't remember and I can't find it. Anyway, so we weren't starting at zero, but we started at the, the, the bar trail, which is the hiking trail that goes all the way up to the top. So we got up at 3 a.m., we geared up, Amanda loves my birthday too. And so for my birthday, she gave me trekking poles, which are so fun. I wish I could use them just walking around like Target. They just make you feel like you're adventuring. And a camelback so I could bring water. She totally hooked me up. So we had our packs and our our um, super incredibly adventure looking headlamps because it was dark. And off we went. So we started hiking. It was still dark. And we just, with every few hundred feet that we climbed, just to look over the side of the the trail and see down into the town and just see us getting higher and higher. And it was sunrise. It was so beautiful. It's like you stop to take pictures and you just feel like this is dumb. I can't, you, know, you look at it and it's so beautiful. And then you look at it through your camera and it just loses 95% of its coolness. So it's really something to just be in the moment and experience. And it was so beautiful. So this is where the lesson learning began. And so we started off um, on this trail. And already as we started out, my brain was thinking, okay, it's, you know, four in the morning. This is going to take six to eight hours. We aren't going to be done until like noon. That's an entire work day. And the more I thought about what we were doing, the more kind of tired I was immediately just thinking, wow, okay, this is this is a BFD. I'm not going to be in this spot on this trail again until tonight. And 
right away I was reminded of what I have said many times is you can't focus on the end result when you're starting out because you just get so tired. And for me, I also get bored. Like spending that much time working on one thing, my brain just gets totally bored. And so I had to just stop thinking at all about what we were doing in the top and not try to see it, not just not think about it. And instead, I just started to focus on the mile markers because one mile at a time is how you get there, one half mile at a time. And that's truly how I have approached my weight loss this whole time. And I think it's really incredibly important to remember that you may have 50 pounds to lose, but if every day you look at your progress and say, well, I've lost half a pound, I only have to lose 49 and a half more, it can be incredibly overwhelming versus saying, I'm going to work until I lose the next pound and keep track of those little mile markers along your way. And Amanda has the same type of mentality, except she tracks um, the feet climbed. So seeing how much altitude we've gained, that's how she tracks progress and feels good about the progress. So that was interesting to me too, the way that we were both breaking it off into small chunks, but I was focusing on mile markers. She was focusing on altitude. And so same thing with weight loss and a health journey. Whatever works for you to focus on, do it. And other people may have other markers they focus on. Some people don't weigh themselves. They focus on inches or body fat percentage. Some people focus on pounds. Some people focus on how many workouts they do. It doesn't matter. As long as your focus is on something that is attainable in the near future, it makes the whole job, the whole journey just feel so much more doable. Like I say, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? How do you climb to the top of a 14,000 foot mountain? One step at a time, one mile marker at a time, one foot, um, linear foot, linear foot. I don't know. Why do I try to use words? I don't know. I didn't mean like foot, like your foot on your body. I meant like feet as in the measurement. One foot, one yard. There we go. One yard at a time. We all know what that means, right? <sighs> tell you, sometimes I wonder about me. Anyway, um, the point being, don't focus on how far away something is and how big the job is. Focus on the right here and the right now. So we got going. People started passing us. There were a lot of hikers setting out that time of the day, and they started passing us, and um, they were, the trail was kind of crowded, which was really surprising to me, um, which made it difficult because <laughs> there are no bathrooms on the bar trail. And uh, if you know me, you've heard me talk about my aversion to not having restrooms conveniently accessible to me. I'm a little bit of a delicate little flower. I don't like porta potties. I don't like, I don't know. I have a thing where I really just need a bathroom if I'm going to use one. But I knew that I would have to essentially pee in the woods. And I've done it before. And I've just, I mean, it honestly makes me cry. I hate it that much. But I, knew that was what was going to have to happen. And so all these people on the trail stress me out because I'm like, well, what happens if I have to go and then now there's people around? You know, I'm not going to climb off to where it's dangerous on the side and risk my life to be able to go. And there's people, well, as fortune would have it, right about the time that I needed to go, there was this big, huge boulder and you could walk behind it. 
And so I had to do it. I had to walk behind there and I had to pee. And it was not easy for me and I hated it, but I did it and I was real proud of myself. Um, But I resolved right then and there that if there was any possible way that I could avoid doing that again, I would. I would avoid it. It's terrible. Um, So I'm not really a tough adventurer because that hasn't come easy for me yet. And so I guess once I can just do it like no big deal, then I guess I get the status of adventurer, but it's really hard. And I'm not spoiled. Like I don't like sleep in a feather bed and like I, I in my daily life, I'm not – I don't pamper myself a whole lot. So it's not that I'm just precious. It's just – I don't know. It's hygiene. It's gross. And ugh, anyway, but I was very proud of myself because that was hard for me. Um and Amanda was very proud of me. And we documented it on e- Instagram. N- not the actual going to the bathroom. <laughs> I talked about it on Instagram after because I was so proud of myself. And then all of my Instagram posts off the mountain were basically about going to the bathroom. So that was a little, a little excessive. But when we reached the 10,000 foot mark or thereabouts, there is a place called Bar Camp. And Bar is the name of the dude who like – blazed the trail. And so it's a campsite and they have bathrooms. It's basically a building and it looks like a regular bathroom. Everything behaves like a regular bathroom. Um, but there's some system set up so that it obviously doesn't have plumbing. I think it's a composting bathroom, but it had a door. It had a sink to wash your hands. It was so nice. And then, um, and then I felt like I was in the lap of luxury. So I survived. I know you're all really relieved. There are people who their whole life they have to go in the woods and like my parents used outhouses and then I don't even want to think about what happened before that, but I'm just really grateful that I was born not then. When I gave up gluten and sugar for the most part, the hardest thing has been getting used to not having baked goods as treats, but I found Smart Baking Company. And what's awesome about Smart Baking Company is they make gluten-free, sugar-free treats, but they're also low-calorie. It's not uncommon to find a gluten-free treat that's very high in calories, but you can eat two of Smart Baking Company's delicious lemon, raspberry, chocolate, or cinnamon cupcakes, two of them for only 76 calories. They're magicians there at Smart Baking Company. All their products are certified gluten-free through the National Celiac Association. They have zero net carbs, and the sweeteners that they use are monk fruit and erythritol. So you can feel good about eating these knowing they're not going to ruin your gut, they're not going to trip you up in the pursuit of your goals, and they're going to be that delicious treat that you've been missing out on. If you'd like to order, they have free shipping for some of their bundles. They ship right to your door. You put them in your freezer and then thaw them on your counter when you're ready to eat them for about half an hour, and they stay nice and fresh for you. So you can find them online at smartbakingco.com, and if you want a discount, you can use my code, destination underscore begin, for 10% off every time you order. So also along the way, we were passed by a lot of people, like I said, in the morning hiking, but there were people running, and they would pass us running, and then there were people running down. The whole day, there were people passing us running up and running down. And I tell you, it really started to mess with me. I was like, wow, I'm such a loser. I'm struggling walking. 
And here are people running. Not only is the footing kind of slippery in places, but you're climb hiking. You're not rock climbing, like hanging off the side of a rock. But I mean, it's an incline. And it's sometimes you're, you are pulling yourself up over rocks. And these people were running. And so it really started to make me feel like a loser. And there again, I had to just turn that off and just say, you know what? We are all at different abilities. We all have different experiences. Some of these people may live here and the altitude is not a challenge for them at this point. Um, some people are, they're like gazelles. They just run faster than me anyway. Some people have been running their whole life. The bottom line is I have never, never walked, hiked to the summit of a 14,000 foot mountain before. And that is what I set out to do. I did not set out to run it. Run your own race. They can do them. I got to do me. And maybe someday I'll be like them, but it doesn't matter. I set out to walk and hike this mountain and we all have to start somewhere. Those people that are running, I'm guessing the first time they were on this mountain, they probably had to walk it too. And so I had to repeat that to myself. And same thing with your weight loss journey. Some people, like women like to say this a lot about men. Oh, he just cuts one thing out of his diet and he loses 20 pounds. And we get real mad because men's metabolism is different. Their bodies are different and it seems real easy for men to lose weight. I will tell you that it's all science and it's not really easier for men to lose weight. They still have to have a calorie deficit. Part of the reason why, and this is just part of it, part of the reason why it's easier for men to lose weight than women is because men typically are less emotional creatures. And so they often don't make decisions based on emotion. They use logic. So a lot of men, when they decide, I'm going to do this, they don't negotiate with emotions because they are used to making decisions based on more of a logical sequence. Whereas women, we have our our emotional centers. We make decisions using so many parts of our brains. And so when it comes to food and diets, we are we are a lot more prone to an emotional decision. And so often it's harder for us to stick to a diet. So that's part of it. That's a little sidebar. But the bottom line is some people lose weight quicker for many different reasons. We're all on our own path. And it, comparing yourself to someone else does no good. Your body does not care what someone else's body does. Your body takes what you eat and burns it or stores it. Your body comes along with you on exercise and performs. If Amanda eats a cupcake and Amanda doesn't gain any weight and Amanda doesn't have a sugar crash, my body does not care. My body's not like, hmm, I should try that. My body's going to react the way it does. So don't compare. Just do you. Get on your path. Keep your eyes on what you're setting out to do and don't get distracted and don't feel like a loser because other people may be having more success than you or look like it's easy. Not to mention, you have no idea how people around you are feeling. You may see someone shrinking before your eyes and they're losing weight, but you may not see the struggle that's coming with that. You may not see how hard they're working and you may not see if there's actually bad behaviors going on with food and a bad relationship. So don't judge. Run your own race. Keep your eyes on your own path and what you're setting out to do. And don't let what other people do distract you or make you feel bad. So we switched up who was in the lead a couple of times because when you're on a hiking path and you're single file, I just said, hey, Amanda, 
I'm really tired of looking at your butt. Can I lead? And it was kind of a joke. But ultimately, it's kind of true. You know, you get you get to be looking at one thing the whole time or following one person or one plan and you get a little mentally bored. And so it's important to say, you know, is what I'm doing and what I'm following interesting? Is there a way to make it more interesting? Can I switch this up? And it's okay to admit that. And I didn't feel bad telling Amanda I was tired of looking at her butt. She has a fabulous butt though. So it's fine. I wasn't insulting her, but, um, but you know, I was really grateful that she led the way. I didn't know anything about hiking to a top of a mountain. I didn't know about the dangers. I didn't know about the calorie consumption. I didn't know how long it would take. I knew less than zero things. And Amanda has done it before. And so Amanda knew all the things. And so it was very comforting for me to get on that trail behind her and follow her, listen to her advice, listen to her talk about what milestones were ahead and which ones we had just passed and what was coming up next and where it was going to be more difficult or flat. She coached me. She guided me and I followed her. She knew the way, so I let her lead. I asked questions. I listened. I 100% trusted her because she'd been on this exact path before with success. So again, if you are struggling or you want to do something you've never done before, that's an incredibly powerful reason to enlist someone to help you. I am not here to market myself, but I will market myself here and say, I have lost weight. I have fought the battles. I have I have been in every food battle and war that you have been in, I promise you. And I have found a way to succeed. And I've learned the hard way and I've learned the easy way, depending on what we're talking about. And I I feel very confident that if you will listen and ask questions and follow my lead and let me help you, I can help you. I can get you on the path that's going to get you to where you want to go. If not me, someone else. Do you know a primal health coach? Or is there a nutritional counselor at your gym? Or simply you can go online and you can take courses to learn about better nutrition. You can buy a book with healthy recipes. There's no shame in saying, I don't know how to get where I want to go. I'm going to enlist some help. We are in a DIY age where we all want to do everything on our own. And sometimes we can do that. And a lot of times we can get started that way. But there's no shame in saying, you know what? I'm going to find someone who knows exactly what to say and how to help me and guide me. And I'm going to follow them. And if you do that and it starts to not work for you or you get bored, look for something else. Or say, you know what? I feel good with this. I'm going to try it my way for a while. Hey, Amanda, I'm sick of looking at your butt. You're going to follow me. I'm going to set the pace now. And and off you go. And so it's really important to remember that. There's no shame in that, in following someone. And there's no shame in saying, hey, I want to set the pace for myself now and see how this goes. So I followed Amanda's butt. <laughs> Luckily, Amanda knew where we were going and she was awesome. Until she wasn't because... <laughs> There's a part in the trail where it got really gravelly, and the trail doesn't go straight up. There's a lot of these switchbacks. So basically, it's a serpentine path because obviously you can't just go straight up. You would just you'd poop out way too fast. And so these switchbacks, sometimes they were hard to follow because of the terrain, especially above tree line. And so we missed a switchback, and we were climbing up this gravel, and we realized, okay, this isn't the trail. And uh, 
I got, I got scared. Amanda got a little scared because we weren't on a trail anymore. It was very steep. It wasn't so steep that we were going to fall down to our deaths or anything, but we were, you know, getting up to some higher altitudes. It was harder to breathe. We were moving slower. And so we were climbing and at some points it was very steep and I, I got really nervous and um, got a little emotional and I had to stop my brain from just freaking out. And I employed every mantra that I could think of. I had to calm myself down. I had to tap into my inner cheerleader and I just started saying things to myself. You can do this. You're the strongest person I know. You can trust your equipment because I had these trekking poles and when you would you would plant them in the ground, they would hold and then you could use your arms to pull yourself up. But in that gravel, it was so hard to trust that they weren't going to slip. And so I just had to keep saying, your poles haven't slipped. You can trust your poles. You can trust your body. Your body is strong. Your body is capable. You can rest. Just keep breathing. And I would look up and I'd see how high and steep it was to where we kind of thought the trail was. We were ended up heading. We thought if we head up, we're going to hit the trail at some point because it's up there. We just missed the switchback. And so we each took our own little angled path as our eyeballs saw it. And um, it was just really important to stay calm and plant those poles and trust those poles and cheer myself up. And it got really hard for a little while. And I, the only way that I didn't have a utter and complete freak out was I just kept talking to myself in my head as if I was talking to a little child who was scared and didn't think they could do it. I knew that I'd be okay. Part of my brain knew I'd be okay. And the other part, my lizard brain was freaking out. Like you're going to die. So we should just sit here and cry and quit. That's really what I wanted to do. But in those moments in life, when it gets really hard, you can gird yourself up. You can praise yourself. You can remind yourself of all of the times that it was hard and you succeeded. As Amanda said to me many times, you have a hundred percent track record doing hard things. No hard thing has ever killed you. You have always won. And that is so true for all of us. We all have a hundred percent track record for survival. And so I just kept saying, you are the strongest person I know. You've done much harder things like this. It's not going to last forever. Just one more step. You can breathe. Don't look up there. What's the next step? Where are you putting your pole next? That's all that matters right now. Right there. Got it. Awesome. Look what you just did. And I, the entire time, had to continue to gird myself up, to cheer myself up, to talk my way through it internally. And eventually, we got to the path. And we looked at each other. And she was like, oh, that was a little scary. I'm like, oh, that was a little scary. <laughs> and uh, we calmed down, sat down, had some water, had a snack. We were fine. But, um, you know, it's just uh, it's just a life lesson right there. Sometimes you get off track and sitting and crying about it doesn't do any good. Um, making yourself more lost and more stuck doesn't do any good. What do you do? You just encourage yourself, stay calm, plug away at it. And um, and I jest when I say Amanda was a bad guide. <laughs> it, it literally could have happened to anyone. It was really hard seeing the trail. Um, 
and you know, she stayed 100% calm as as my little trail leader. I, you wouldn't have known looking at her that anything was wrong or that she was nervous. And I really appreciated that about her because if she had freaked out and was like, oh my God, we lost the trail. What are we going to do now? I would have been like, we are going to die. But she's just like, well, it's up there somewhere. <laughs> and it was. And we did cut off like quite a big chunk of hiking. So we made some great time, which is really great. So uh, we survived. And that was hard. And that was about as hard as it got really for the whole day. But um, at one point, when we were kind of checking our time and where we were, Amanda, we had hoped to do the, the hike in six hours and we had booked a shuttle to drive us back down in case we were too tired to walk down or in case weather came in. And so at one point, Amanda said, you know, we're running a little late because we don't want to miss our shuttle. And she used that L word on me, late. I don't like late. I don't like if I cause someone else to be late. I, that gives me hardcore like anxiety. It's just I feel like a bad person. If I'm the reason that you're late, I am absolutely vicious to myself. Now, if I'm late because, you know, I don't know, I need to put extra makeup on, then I don't feel too bad because better late than ugly. But if I make someone else late, it's like the unforgivable sin with myself. <laughs> so when she had said that um, and I was in the lead at that point, I just started trucking. I was like, we got to make good time. We got to make time. And so, I mean, I just found this pace. I found this rhythm and man, just trucking. And then when we would, I just said, we're not resting until we get to mile markers from now on. And so we really didn't. We just kept going and we just kept going and it was great. We went faster, but I didn't see much cool stuff while I was leading the way because I was so focused on getting to the next mile marker that I didn't look around anymore. And that is a life lesson that I have had to learn so many times to just stop checking off the boxes, Kristen. Stop focusing on the next thing, the next thing. Stop and look around. What are you missing by being so determined and focused? It's great to be determined and focused, but you lose the whole point of the journey of the work if you don't stop and look around you or look while you're working and I missed so much beauty on a big chunk of that hike because I was focused on getting to that next mile marker. And that was not the point. The point was not to check off the boxes, make it to the top, just to say we climbed all those feet. It was it was to do a hard thing and see beauty and see nature and see something that otherwise we never would have seen. And boy, was that a lesson I learned the hard way. I have very little recollection of those few miles that I was trucking and leading the way like a bat out of hell, we we're going to be late. <laughs> and so I had to check myself on that one for sure. So same thing on your weight loss journey. There's no point in deciding that you're going to lose weight and change your health for good if you're not going to pay attention to what's going on in the process. It takes more time, but the whole point is to, is to get there and then stay there. So you need to pay attention to what you're learning, to what you're seeing about yourself and your patterns and your behaviors in order to enjoy the experience, to celebrate, to stop and say, wow, look where I am. Wow, I just rode my bike 20 miles for the first time. This is so awesome. Like all those little milestones. And when you're working out and exercising, don't focus on getting that 45 minutes in on your bike. Look around while you're on your bike. 
go somewhere new. Find a way to enjoy the experience. Time is going to pass anyway, and you want to get to your destination fully aware of everything that happened and having fully enjoyed the view and the experience. So don't forget to look around while you're working really hard. So we got closer to the top of the mountain and above tree line, it's just all rocks. And what I love is it's all rocks and gravel and like kind of scrub grass, but growing out from underneath and around and tucked into all these rocks with these little green bushes full of the most beautiful, perfect little purple flowers, just little bundles. And they were so beautiful and tiny. And I just, I couldn't believe how many there were. I mean, there's barely any air up there and we were dying. We were just like, and so to think that anything could live was crazy. And then they weren't just living, they were bright and vibrant and beautiful. And I just, oh, I just loved them so much. And I didn't take a picture of them. I'm so regretful of that. But there's one thing that I want for myself. It's to be the blooming bright flower in the midst of hard, nasty rocks. When life is hell, I want to be the smiling one. I want to be the positive one. Even if that's Monday morning at 5 o'clock and it's 75 degrees and 100% humidity in the park for a workout, when those people show up, I want to be the smiling, positive face on a Monday morning to say, let's get it. (laughs) And when life is really, really tough for a multitude of other reasons, I want to be the bright, pretty flower. That is like the greatest cry of my heart. And I don't always succeed, but it's possible. It's possible when I zoom out and say, okay, this is really hard. How can I shine? How can I be different than what my surroundings are? I don't want to blend in to the fear and the difficulty and the defeat and the depression. I want to be the voice that says, but look, beauty, (laughs) but look, hope, but look, goodness. That's what I want to be. And you can do that in your life. Life can be very bleak. I've lived through some pretty bleak things. Not as bleak as some. It's not a competition. But I've lived through some pretty bleak things. And the thing that has always gotten me by is to look for, and you'll always find it, the beautiful flower in the midst of the hard, rocky, awful, difficult terrain. It's always there. If you want to look for it and you have the humility to say, I don't want to feel this terrible. I'm going to let something light me up. You'll find it. You'll find it in another person or in you. You'll see your own beautiful flower in nature on a walk. Something. Look for it. You will find it every single time. And if you can't find it out there, how can you be it? How can you say, life is hell. I am going to go light up someone else. Someone told me a long time ago something that absolutely changed my life in that period of time. I was absolutely despondent after my first divorce. I had moved out of my beautiful house into an apartment. I'd started my first real full-time job. I was stressed. I was sad. I, I didn't know how to be alone. I didn't know how to do anything. And there were days where I was so low. And someone told me the best way to cheer yourself up is to do something nice for someone else. And I was confused. Like, I don't know what I can do for someone else. I have nothing. I'm broke. I'm stressed out. 
But there was a woman at work who had said that she really loved the popsicles that they sold in the little store downstairs in the Skyway. And so I made a little piece of paper in Word with a printed out picture of a popsicle. And I said, enjoy a popsicle on me. And I didn't sign it. And I put, I think they were $1.50. I put $2, $2 bills, wrapped it up and anonymously stuck it on her desk. And so that cost me two whole dollars. And you don't have to do something that costs money. But I will never forget how I felt. I went, oh, that was magic. That felt so good. And my brain stopped thinking about myself for five minutes. And later on, I heard her talking about it. And I never copped to it. And I didn't have to. And I didn't tell anyone. And it felt so good. And so you can be the beautiful flower for someone else. And then it translates into you're the beautiful flower in your own world try it. I swear to you. It's like life-changing. So I loved seeing those little flowers. I'm kicking myself so hard that I didn't take a picture of them because I wanted to see them, but it's burned in my mind. So anyway, so we got to the top and this is where I got real mad because there's a building at the top and there used to be this cog train that I rode, you know, years ago and they took it out and they're rebuilding it. And they're building a new little arrival area for it. And where they're building and constructing is in the middle of where the path stops and is at the top. And so when you get to the top, you can see the roof of the building that you're going to go into for the delicious altitude donuts and where there are bathrooms. And um, there's a construction fence and you can't go. You have to take a detour. The detour takes you straight down, like the most steep hill ever. And you just walk down and undo all the climbing you just did for, I don't know, I think it was over half a mile walking down. And then you have to walk around to the other side of the mountain back up. So here we are like, yeah, we did it. And then, oh no, you have to go to the left and down. So undoing all of that progress to get down to the road and then walk up this big circular steep road to the other side of where we just were. It was so demoralizing, you guys. I was like, I cannot believe that they are making me walk down after I just did all of that and then walk up the slowest, most annoying grade round circular road back to where I just was. I was so mad. When we got there, I was loudly mad, especially when I saw some women that we had passed on the trail walking towards us. And I was like, how did you guys get up here so quick? Did you just take the detour? And they said, oh, no, someone brought us through the fence over there. I was like, what? <laughs> you are not getting in line in front of me to get these donuts because I just took the detour and I earned it and you didn't. That's basically what I wanted to say, but I didn't. I calmed down. I was just real mad. But if that is not parallel to what it feels like when you've lost 20 pounds and then you regain 10, you've undone all that hard work and then you start to lose again and you're like, well, I already lost this pound once and I'm having to do it again. It's so demoralizing. It's so defeating and it's hard. And that's why it's so much easier to deal with the craving and the urge to quit and wait till it passes 
than to give into it and have to redo all of that work. Going backwards is a defeating, demoralizing feeling. And it is 100% better to stop where you are and make no progress for a moment than to take even one step backwards. So when you're tempted to quit, say out loud to yourself, I'm not quitting. I'm not binge eating. I'm not eating whatever it is that I'm craving. I'm not taking a day off of my diet. I'm just going to stop right here and just do something else until this idea leaves my brain because going backwards is the last thing that I want to do. And often my clients have a contingency plan. So if you have a day where you are dying to binge eat or go off your diet, whatever it is, they have a rule that says, when I feel like quitting, I will not quit, but I may have 300 calories of whatever I want. And that saves them from binge eating 5,000 calories. So they say, okay, 300 calories, that means, you know what, I can have a piece of cake or I can go and have an order of french fries or whatever it is. It's that it's that saving moment. And I, and I don't recommend you have this rule anytime you want. Some people have it as once a month I can do this or once a week. Something that is your ability to stop. You aren't maybe going to lose weight that day if you do that. I don't know. It depends on your goals. But the point isn't to lose weight in that moment anymore. It's to not binge eat. It's not to just say screw it and go backwards. So holding your position is so much better than even one step backwards. And having to walk down that hill and then back up, it was such a clear picture of, wow, this is what it feels like to have to go back in my progress and redo the same work all over again. And it's harder because I was tired and new muscles from going backwards and going up and around was harder. I was more tired. It took me longer. I was mentally feeling defeated and mad. And none of that was conducive to me getting to my destination. And so remember that when you want to quit or when you want to go backwards. If you take one day off of your diet and binge eat, it's not about, oh, it's just one day. You cannot, so you can overeat 5,000 calories in a day. You can't exercise 5,000 calories the next day or undereat 5,000 calories. So one day of binge eating or overeating does probably a week's worth of damage. And then if you think about what you could have achieved that week that you're just playing catch up, it's like two weeks of progress is gone. So remember that one day of absolute balls to the walls eating that's about two weeks of progress you're giving up on your journey. So if there's a way you can stop yourself from that crazy binge behavior and just say, I'm not going to binge eat, I'm not going to go balls to the walls, I'm going to have this one thing, you've managed to hold your position. And now tomorrow, when you're back to your normal working hard, eating clean, you're making progress again instead of making up lost ground. And I've gone through this a billion times. In my weight loss journey, so many times. And when you get to your goal weight and you're maintaining weight, it's a little different because you can say, you know, I'm willing to gain a couple pounds on this whatever cruise or trip because I know how to get it back off. But if you're in the middle of a weight loss journey and you're making progress, the last thing you want to do is go backwards and have to make up that ground and get started again. You lose so much time when you're not there yet. 
So if I had been at the top eating a donut and I wanted to walk back down 20 feet and then back up 20 feet, no stress at all. But until I got there, it was devastating to the progress. So remember that on your weight loss journey. So that was basically it. We got there. We got up there in the line. We had uh, donuts. They make donuts at altitude and they're supposed to be awesome. I mean, I don't know. I was so hungry and tired that they could have been made out of, I don't know, Brussels sprouts. And I probably thought they would have been really good. Um, I ate four. It was delicious. Earned it. And uh, we did take the shuttle down. We didn't walk down. Um, There was weather coming in and I'm really glad we didn't even try because um, it just would have been too worrisome with weather coming in. So, but going up to the top, sitting there at that sign, 14,000 feet. It was just such a great feeling of accomplishment, something I never thought I would do. And I was just so proud of myself. And it took us over eight hours, which was more than we planned on, but, um, you know, totally fine. And I got to do it with my bestie and it was just such a great experience. And like I said, so many lessons learned on the mountain. So hopefully you got something out of my mountain trek. Um, Also, that's helpful for you if you think the way that I do with analogies. So um, now that we've done that, I don't know what's next. I'm, you know, a full-fledged adventurer. So I might have to go do another 14er. I don't know. But so grateful for the lessons learned on the mountain that can be applied to all the days at sea level (laughs) in daily life. I'd love to hear from you individually. If you have something you want to say, suggest, argue, or if you have podcast topic ideas, or just simply want to talk about your personal weight loss and health and fitness goals, you can email me, Kristen at destinationbegin.com. You can always find me on Instagram too. I'm posting there all the time. That is destination underscore begin. And you can also just check out my website, destinationbegin.com. Destination Begin.